Welcome to Theory to Practice, a podcast that discusses how leisure theories can be valuable tools for leisure service professionals. I would like to introduce myself, Sarah, and my co-hosts, Anna, Ben, and Melissa. The agenda and purpose of today's episode is to discuss the big five traits and attitudes toward leisure and specific leisure activities. Let's talk about the big five traits first. According to McRae and Costa, there are five fundamental factors that determine a person's traits and motivational dispositions. These traits are identified as extroversion, agreeableness, conscientiousness, neuroticism, and openness. So the first trait that we are going to be exploring is extroversion. When we think of someone that has high levels of extroversion, we'll most commonly describe them as someone that is outgoing, loves being around other people, and has a high level of energy about them. There are many traits, though, that describe extroversion. Some of those include friendliness, gregariousness, meaning they're sociable um, and they love to be around other people. They're assertive, so they have more confidence and are, have a forceful behavior. They enjoy levels of high levels of activity. Um, so not only are they involved in just one activity, but they're oftentimes involved in multiple different activities. And within those activities, they participate at a higher intensity rate. Uh, they're often very cheerful and positive, and they're seeking after ex- excitement. Um, those environments that contain excitement, they'll thrive off of those opportunities. Extroverts have also been found to have a stimulus hunger. So activities that might interest them are activities that have an element of risk involved and also have a higher level of stimulation. Um, These type of activities will be more appealing to them. Um, But when that stimulus hunger is not being met, Um, Oftentimes, they'll experience some boredom within the activity. Some examples that are included in some of the activities that might be of interest are contact sports, especially high-endurance sports, whitewater rafting, mountain climbing. Exercising is also common, um, especially when an individual is exercising with other people around them. The second trait is agreeableness, which is related to positivity, helpfulness, friendliness, and is generally someone who puts the interests of others before their own. Someone who identifies highly with this trait would most likely find themselves volunteering and giving back to their community. Someone who doesn't relate to this would be more distant or potentially more uncooperative, which is probably not someone you want to be volunteering with. There was something that Schrader and Juan said that high recreation participants are also apparently oriented toward high levels of sociability, which connects this trait to extroversion. Agreeableness has positivity as a driving force, and I don't know about any of you, but I feel like the people who have that strong, positive outlook on life tend to keep themselves busy and surrounded by people or things to keep them occupied in order to give them that purpose that they're looking for, whatever it may be. Just another strand in this large leisure web we get to examine. The next trait is conscientiousness. Conscientiousness in the leisure experience can best be described as order, dutifulness, achievement striving, self-discipline, and deliberation, as explained by McCray and John. Typically, a person that tends to be conscientious is organized and responsible and tend to engage in goal-oriented leisure, such as a committed runner or frequent exerciser. 
The reason for this is that those activities are goal-oriented, and the conscientious participant can strive to achieve perfectionism. I will now introduce neuroticism. One of the defining characters of neuroticism is distress. Other neurotic traits can be described as anxiety, hostility, depression, and self-conscientiousness. It does not seem possible for a neurotic leisure participant to achieve depth in their involvement in leisure activities. Typically, the neurotic individual has decreased participation in leisure activities and do not appear to be very social. The last trait we have to discuss is openness to experience. People consider this to be the dimension of intellect because people who identify with this factor are very sensitive to aesthetic. Some people are naturally more aesthetically sensitive, um, meaning that they're cap capable of perceiving beauty in all of its forms and understanding why things are beautiful in and of themselves. So people who are open to experiences need a variety of experiences, so they rarely seek the same experience twice. They usually have unconventional values. They dare to be different. They just want to challenge their boundaries and challenge what they believe to be true so that they can expand their thoughts and be open to the world around them. Now that we have introduced the big five personality traits to you, we will discuss how each of us identify with these traits as individuals. I have to say that I actually identify with extroversion. It may not seem like it, but I'll touch more on that later on. The main reason I see myself there is because when I'm actually being me, a genuine Ben, this is the trait that suits me the best. You get me in the right setting and I'm like an infant on four shots of espresso. It's every parent's worst nightmare. I actually love talking, I love trying new things, going on random adventures, and overall, I just like to have fun. I definitely identify the most with openness to experience. People who know me well describe me as fairly open-minded. I'm not always keen to challenge tradition, but I am practical when it comes to considering new ideas. I definitely have a high sensitivity to aesthetic, meaning that I love cohesive aesthetics like bohemian or non-cohesive aesthetics like abstract art. Uh, things that don't instantly make sense and give me instant gratification are actually quite intriguing to me. I like to think about them a little bit more and make my mind kind of work out. That's probably why I truly enjoy this class in philosophy classes, is because they make me think. It's not always on the surface. Um, I'm open to the experience of learning what the deeper meaning could be. The trait that I most identify with is agreeableness. Um, I say that because a lot of the time I'm trying to serve other people and help other people in different ways. Um, oftentimes, um, I tend to be a people pleaser, which has its its pros and its cons, um, but mainly I just love to help other people. Um, something that brings me joy is being able to teach people new skills that they didn't think that they could do, um, and then them being able to find confidence in doing those things. The leisure trait that I identify with the most is probably agreeableness. I tend to feel a sense of connection with this trait because I am pretty straightforward. I am very social and do a lot of volunteer work, which I really enjoy doing. I am actively involved in the community in which I live. I serve on several planning committees, donate my time at the local homeless shelter, as well as a home for developmentally challenged adults. As a group of due diligent podcasters, we decided to take the Big Five personality test before we recorded to give us up-to-date information about ourselves to share with all of you. 
However, before we decided to take the test, we got to talking about how these tests have the chance to be so vastly different from test to test, based on how we're feeling when we take it. So in this section, we will discuss how these personality test results can change and how we relate to our current test scores. Okay, so I just took the big five personality test and I was scoring high in natural reactions, which I'm a bit surprised by. And when you score high in natural reactions, the test tells you that a, describing a high range scoring person in that category uh, means that you experience negative emotional reactions and feelings of anxiety, you're prone to worry, and you could be easily upset. I'm a little bit offended by this. And <laughs> like, not to, like, I identify with my own anxiety, with my own mental health, and I do have that. So, you know, but just to see it, see a test spit it out at me kind of makes me upset. But either way, um, that's what I scored highest in was natural reactions. Did anyone else score higher in, high in that? I scored the absolute lowest in that. Really? Yes, I experienced. It says no neg negative emotional reactions or feelings of anxiety, which is not true at all because <laughs> I feel like I oh, I have a lot of anxiety. Right. So the fact that I scored low in that was pretty surprising. So maybe it's just that like in this moment as you're taking the test, yes. would you say that maybe that agrees with you? Yeah, maybe I'm like having a good day today. Yeah, exactly. I did score pretty high in extroversion, which I would... Definitely say it is accurate. I'm pretty outgoing and friendly. I'm assertive. Um, I like working with others on most days. <laughs> and I do enjoy leadership roles. So that is definitely something that I would have self-identified with. Yeah. 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 I thought it was interesting because I, in extroversion, I scored dead center in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought that was cool because it kind of depends on the day and the situation. There's times where I am very quiet and I would rather be by myself. But there's other times where I want to be around people. I want to be getting mm -hmm. people excited and be in that atmosphere. So Yeah. I also scored close to the middle in extroversion. And there's definitely days that I'm outgoing and friendly and that I enjoy directed leadership roles and there are many days where I just have to be not around people and socializing mm -hmm. and just be on my own with a glass of wine and that's way better for me a right. lot of days. Yeah I agree with both of you on that for like but for my extroversion it was actually on the very high end um, <laughs> which is I now identify with that currently but a couple years ago mm -hmm. would not have been the same way. I was really? always very introverted. Yeah. I, and I still am, because a lot of people, when they meet me in the setting that they meet me in, I'm very quiet. I kind of just sit back and I listen. It's very true. It's until I get comfortable with them and okay. kind of, they get to see what I'm actually like, because I'm actually kind of mm -hmm. insane. <laughs> I like it. Um, but yeah, so like, it's something that I've noticed has changed a lot over time. I've mm -hmm. become more comfortable in my own skin. Yeah. And so it's kind of something that I thought was very cool. Do you think there's a specific experience that led you to be more extroverted? <sighs> or I like one you can name one that actually it's, not, it's gonna sound cheesy because we're still in school was coming to college and getting introduced to this RPA field yeah it was like because the classes like the first class that we took with Tracy was actually like a um, leadership or recreation and leadership yeah. type mm -hmm. thing so it was kind of like getting to know people and kind of learning to get out of that comfort zone push yourself sure. a little bit so kind of stepping out and realizing that oh uh, 
it's fun to be outgoing and mm -hmm. stuff like that. But I mean, there are some days where it's like, yeah, I'd like to just kind of sit inside and do nothing. Absolutely nothing. All but right. a lot of times it's, I want to be with people. <laughs> it used to be like when I was with friends, I was like, I can't wait to go home. Yeah. <laughs> now it's like, I don't want to be at home anymore. I yeah. want to go out and do stuff. Right. Yeah. I'm definitely like a person that wants to be on the go, go, go. But there are days where I'm just like, get me away from people. <laughs> mm -hmm. I just want to be home yes. and not talking with anybody. But I guess it's all about balance in life, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. sure. Something that I scored low in that I was, again, offended by this <laughs> test was conscientiousness, which is they consider it to be like your work ethic. So yeah. people who score low in this are more spontaneous and maybe disorganized <laughs> and they prefer flexible plans and they dislike precise details. I definitely identify with the end of that, especially at this moment, um, even just recording this podcast, like precise details kind of can frustrate me and actually fluster me more than just being spontaneous and so yeah I guess that does make sense but saying that I'm disorganized kind of hurts <laughs> I think it's like the work ethic like that bothers me because I'm right in the middle of that too mm -hmm. and I think that I have a really good work ethic but I am a little disorganized and I do like detail though so right that is kind of contradicting mm -hmm. but I am pretty spontaneous so that makes plans or makes sense but I also like to have a lot of flexibility with my plans mm -hmm. so I think it could drive some people crazy like my husband but <laughs> it's just kind of who I am yeah yeah I also scored um very low on that one as well um and at first I was like I do have a strong work ethic I don't know what that's talking about um but I tend to like to go with the flow um, mm. and just do things that I want to do when I want to do them. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, um, and I'm also, like, I like to place things where I want them. I'm not the best um, person with organization, and so that makes sense, but I do see that part with the work ethic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what about agreeableness? Did any of you score high on that? Agreed. Yeah. I scored pretty high on that, and I was also that was one of the ones that I kind of I, I would agree with before I even took the test. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So just I, I don't know. I'm not that hard to please, but I don't know. I, I yeah. I'm not hard to please, but I like to please other people. Sure. And I'm what I've I've noticed is that I am my harshest critic, and uh, that's kind of a good way. Like people tell me that I do good work sometimes, and I'm just like, no, it's not good. It could be better. Right. Okay. Um, but also, yeah, stuff like that. Uh -huh. I actually scored low in agreeableness. Yes, it says that I'm hard-headed <laughs> and competitive and proud, which, yes, that's true. And I do like competition. I've noticed more and more lately that I'm more competitive than I previously thought. That's interesting because I'm actually the opposite. I really? Just, I looked at that. I was more competitive as a kid, and now I've just kind of gone that laxed route in yeah, life from just like when I play board games and stuff I'm like eh, just for fun it's not so like as a kid if I didn't win I was pissed I was <laughs> furious I would throw the board I was the one who would flip the table and yeah. run upstairs I hated it so no playing sorry with you <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm better now no board games with that <laughs> played sorry with the camp kids this summer and didn't flip the board once oh, they cool. did awesome wow. that's an improvement yeah <laughs> I am also pretty high in agreeableness. I would have thought it would have been my highest trait, 
but it I was my second highest. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing for me is I'm really compassionate. Mm-hmm. Like whatever I'm doing something, um, whatever I'm super compassionate in, I'm in it, like in it to win it. So yeah. I think that's why I thought I would have done that, like with all my volunteer work and stuff. But I'm okay with being more extroverted, I guess. You know, they both are pretty identifying factors of who I am. And I think that's something to point out about this test, is that it's not always a bad thing when you're reading these. And I think that's what I'm personally noticing, is, you know, on the surface, it seems like being low in work ethic is something to be upset about. Mm -hmm. But really, the ways that I am conscientious about things could be positive rather than negative. And something to think about is that, like, I've taken this test a couple of times, and we kind of, well, some of us have, mm-hmm. is yeah. it's changed every single time. The yes. first time I took this test, I was maybe not in the best mood, and my scores were vastly different from the, mm-hmm. what they are now. So I think it just kind of varies with the mood that we're in and how we're feeling that day. Yes, yeah, I absolutely. think so, too. I think the test was a lot of fun, and I can't wait to hear what each of the participants thought of when they took the test. Absolutely. The next topic of discussion is leisure attitudes and activities. According to Albarsan and Shavit, leisure attitudes are believed to be learned and changed often. These attitudes can be influenced by many factors such as values, culture, and age. Let's dive a little deeper into the many ways that leisure attitudes can be influenced. The biggest influence that I have experienced personally is age and how it has affected my attitudes towards leisure. I think that, you know, when I was younger, I used to be a little more daring. I liked to go whitewater rafting. I surfed a lot. Like, I did things that I probably wouldn't do now, and a lot of it has to do with risk or experience. You know, now I have to take into consideration. I can't take the risk that I used to because I have a son that I have to care for. Um, Also, there's certain things that I can't do anymore. Um, As I mentioned previously, like I broke my ankle, so things that I used to enjoy doing, like running, I can't do anymore. And that has to do with age and wear and tear on my body. So that is definitely the biggest thing that I think I can, I've experienced. Going along with like the age and how you said, um, like how it's kind of, you've become less risky as you've mm-hmm. gone. I kind of think back to an experience that actually where my fear of oceans came from. I was like 11 and when I was in Norway with some cousins, they went tubing and we were going and we were about to get on the boat. I'm like, oh, we have to wait a little bit. And I was like, why? And there was a lion jellyfish floating right by the oh, dock, wow. which is like the most dangerous jellyfish ever. And they're like, well, just wait a minute or so until we, until they can't see it. And at the time, I was like, all right, cool. I was 11. And then a couple years like ago, I thought back to that. I was like, why would I do that? I didn't even think about it as a kid. I was like, ah, it's fine. It's not going to bother me. Sure. But like now I'm like, I don't want to go in the ocean. I like to see where everything is. And it was like black water, too. So it was just on the surface. But as soon as it was like gone, it could have been like 20 yards away. We just right. didn't see it. And yeah. I'm like, all right, we're good. So that's yeah. something I've noticed that I've... I mean, I'm 22, but I've noticed it that I'm more, more aware, more timid, right. yeah, and more aware of mm-hmm. what I have to do. It's like even climbing. Sometimes I'll get, I'll get to the top of the route, 
and I'll just have a freaky panic attack that I'm like not even tied in. So mm-hmm. I have to like check the rope. I'm like, all right, I'm good. But sure. even though it's like a second nature to tie in, and like mm-hmm. it's, I get it every time. It's just mm-hmm. right. a thing in the back of my mind that I have to yeah. think about. Well, like I, think... I can't even imagine like. You know, you were talking about your fear of oceans, and I can't even imagine, like, going out on a surfboard now. Like, even yeah. though, like, multiple times, there were times where, like, I got hurt or got pulled in a riptide, and I'd just go right back in, and now, like, I am crippled by that fear. Right. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting because something kind of opposite for me has happened. I used to be extremely scared of trying new things and trying um, things that involve risk. Um, and now I've um, overcome some of those things, especially with heights. Um, I used to be terrified of heights, um, and now I work at a ropes course, and it's something that I get excited about. Um, but five years, six years ago, I would have never imagined myself being in that atmosphere. So I personally struggle to find my own my own personal identity with values and culture in leisure attitudes. Does anyone else have that problem? It's something that um, relates to me. I grew up in a home where um, I have different religious and values. um, And one of the things with that is I grew up in a home that we don't drink alcohol or Mm -hmm. consume alcohol. Um, And so that's something that I've been raised with. And so as I've grown older, um, different leisure activities is all around me, um, and a lot of my friends, you know, that's something that we do, right. um, to have fun. Especially um, in college, yeah. Especially in college, and that's something that I don't relate to, mm-hmm. um, but I find other leisure activities um, going in that other direction. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I program activities that is based around drinking and yeah. work for a brewery, so... You know, for me to try to think of programming something for a group of people that don't drink would present a huge challenge, but right. it's something that's yeah. a, a huge value to you, uh-huh. and I respect that. Right, yeah. Right. So actually, the more that I think about culture, um, I was grown in a culture that my family really loved to take me to museums. Every time that we traveled and went somewhere, it was museum after museum after museum, something about um, the local culture or something about a culture from olden days, you know, something of that nature. My parents always tried to instill in me that there were, you know, different beliefs and different, different ideas in different parts of the world. And I have a positive attitude, I would say, towards that now, like being really open-minded and inclusive in my thinking is something that they instilled in me at a young age. But I will say that I have a negative connotation with museums because I dread museums now. I went to them for so long. Now every time we go on a vacation, I'm like, no museums. I'm not going to any museums. I just want to go enjoy myself. But that's just my personal. And I do agree with that because I was raised from like second grade to like freshman year of high school. I was homeschooled. And for six years of that, we didn't do any schoolwork. So it was just kind of learning through life and kind of it was experiential learning so we would go the whole museums the hiking all like traveling the world like we did a huge road trip to Yellowstone we just kind of did all that stuff to try to just learn from what life has to offer and just kind of get that culture we'd also go to different like we would go on trips to like different uh, like religious kind of areas so we would view 
we'd go we went to like a mosque or I'm blanking on the other one but we'd go to a bunch of different ones to just kind of see what that one's like because like we were very open with like religion too we would try things if we didn't like it then we'd try something else we I went to church a lot as a kid but it was always for like just experimenting it not mm -hmm. actually okay yeah so well that is like a lot different yeah. than my cultural experience because I was um, grew, I went to private school my whole life so I went yeah. to Catholic school it, you know I had friends that were only Catholic and so I didn't have that cultural experience that you did I mean I went to museums and art galleries and all that so I experienced that but I wasn't experiencing that high culture that you did at a young age Thank you for bringing Theory to Practice with us. I'm Anna Wright. I'm Ben Nyman. I'm Melissa Trober. And I'm Sarah Crude. We hope that you enjoyed our discussion topics and were able to learn a few takeaways. Tune in for our next podcast where we dissect today's topics of discussion and take a closer look at the big five traits of leisure, leisure attitudes, and why leisure personalities and attitudes change over a period of time. Stay, Stay tuned! tuned.